0: We're going to be talking about a topic that I think is really really important and that is prioritizing men's mental health. And if you're a man yourself, I want you to particularly be paying attention to this episode uh because as men, well, let's face it, sometimes we have a hard time admitting uh that we need help with our mental health. And and if you're a woman and and have a man in your life, maybe it's a son or your husband or somebody else that you're thinking of, this is going to be a really important topic for you as well. I'm going to be talking with Sean Lesser, and he is the founder of the Real Mental Health Foundation. And we're going to be talking more about that as well as the need for men to prioritize their mental health coming right up right after this. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mental Health Today Show. My name is John Cordray. I'm a licensed therapist and the host of the show. I am so glad that you are here today. With me today, as I mentioned, is Sean Lesser. We're going to be talking about men's mental health. And and I want you to pay particular attention to what we're going to be talking about today. All right, John, welcome to the show.
1: Yes, John. I appreciate it. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this topic, and it's something that is uh, near and dear to me as well, because I know know, in my line of work, I've been a therapist for a very long time, and I know that Mm -hmm. it's sometimes it's really hard for men to admit that they have mental health issues, and so I'm I'm really excited that you're coming on and talking about this.
1: Sure, no, I I appreciate it. I, I think men, obviously men and women are different. Men meet shoulder to shoulder. Women meet face to face. And they both have pressures, but they kind of have, in a certain way, kind of different pressures uh, that come out in different ways.
0: Yeah, I like how you phrased that, the women face, face-to-face and men shoulder-to-shoulder. I think that's, that's a neat way to, to distinguish that. Well, before we get into the Rio Mental Health Foundation, I would love to know a little bit more about you and, and your mm-hmm. personal story as well.
1: Sure, sure. So I'll give you a little bit of my resume, and then I'll give you a little bit of background of what happened. So just my resume, born in Brooklyn, grew up in Long Island, uh, New York, went to Syracuse University. And then on the business side, then I did 15 years, I did international institutional equity sales. I used to sell stocks to banks overseas. And then in 2007, I started the first impact investing investment bank with a partner of mine. So we raised money for impact companies, impact funds. We did different events all over the world. Um, so that's kind of my resume that you'll see, you know, on LinkedIn or other places, but I'm happy to tell you the, the story if you like, cause there's more to it, John. Oh, absolutely. Tell us the story. I love a good story. Sure. Here comes the story. So it was last September and I was, I was depressed. I was having trouble eating. I was having trouble sleeping. I lost 40 pounds, which is terrific, but I was not on a diet. <laughs> and then it was, uh, December 14th. It was a Wednesday, and I was on a Zoom call, and my I, my depression was growing. It kept on growing. I think, especially not eating well and sleeping well, it just kind of seemed to come to a head uh, on that day where I was on a Zoom call and basically had—I don't know if this is a medical term, John—but a, a full mental breakdown where I was just not functioning uh, correctly. You know? mm-hmm. Um and I was in a bad state and telling my wife, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. You no, know, please, please. Uh, I just don't want to be on this planet anymore. So that's kind of a scary thing for you. Most wives don't want to hear that. Maybe some of them do, but that's kind of a scary thing uh, for a wife to hear. I'll stop for a second, but there's more to it, John, if you want me to keep on well, going. Well,
0: that is a scary thing. And it was, a, I'm sure, scary for you as well. This was the first sure. time you've ever experienced that. So tell me a little bit about the symptoms that you were having at the time.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I've had depression over the years, and I would take antidepressants from time to time. So it was never that. I mean, it would come, it would go. But this specific time, it was like a combination platter. I was off minded antidepressants. I happened to have COVID. I don't know if that affected it. Um, I'm 54, married, two kids. I like to do in the past a lot of comparathon, which I call comparing myself to others. Which all these things—it wasn't like one thing happened, like all of a sudden someone passed in the family, and then I just broke down. This was—I I kept on chipping at it, chipping at it until the until the, the whole machine just just ended up breaking down.
0: Mm. Well, and and I think that's happens so often,
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: would say especially with men, uh, because yes. we as men. Uh, I, I will, I put myself in there as well. Right. Good, uh, as good. Men, we tend, we tend to, <laughs> we tend to hold things in and we sure. tend to think, well, I can, I can get through this. I don't need help. And then it's too late or sometimes it's too late and then it's putting it off. And then all of a sudden now it's an emergency. Now something yes. needs to happen. Yes, that, exactly. Is that, is that, kind of explain how, how, how you experienced <laughs> yeah. it yourself?
1: Yes. And then it came to a head. So when it came to a head uh, with my wife, you're like, what do you do? The next thing is, where do you go? What do you do? It's not something you hear about all the time. It's happening all the time, honestly, but you don't hear about it. So we went, we went to, uh, I live here in Atlanta. So we went to uh, the emergency room at Emory. And then they brought someone out basically on a Zoom machine, right? And they said, do you want to get checked into the psych ward? Which was a new word for me. I really didn't know what that meant, uh, John. I think I, I think you know, but I did not know. And that had to have been scary just to hear that. Well, it was scary, but on the other side, I was like, "Take me anywhere. I just want to mm. go somewhere because I don't know where mm. I want to be." And mm. you know, I didn't want to be home. I didn't. I didn't want to go to the to the psych ward. But it's almost like you don't want to go anywhere. So you're not comfortable mm. in your own skin. Uh, which is not a good place to be, but that's, that's where we were. So we ended up going to the psych ward here in Atlanta. It's an interesting place. The first you, you sign in. Um, so that whole experience was interesting cause I didn't really know what it was. So I signed in and I'm like, all right, going into this place. The next thing that happens is the security guard comes. Okay. And I packed all my things and, you know, I sleep a certain way. I have a sound machine. I have, I have, uh, you know, a face mask and uh, I'm I'm not going to the spa this time. Right. So <laughs> they're, they're basically going through my stuff and like, you can't have this, you can't have that. I'm my, uh, they had said, okay, your pants has a string on it. No, you can't do that. So it was a little bit um uh, surreal uh, for me when I first got there.
0: Well, and, and I think that's, Uh, something that most people probably have not experienced themselves or maybe they've always wanted to. And here you are, (laughs) you you need the help. You're asking for the help and you go to the hospital and they're saying, well, now you need to go into the psych ward. And by the way, you can't bring most of the stuff that you're bringing with you. Now you have to check in. And then what, what was it like for you? Was it, were the people uh interesting were they nice were they mean what was that like for you
1: no the people in general the people especially that worked there were, were super nice uh, and everyone was kind but just it was just a strange place to be because you go in there's a woman's side there's a man's side and they check into your. They say okay this is this is your room uh and uh for example the bathroom the shower was not a shower curtain it was basically a foam curtain yeah, so everything there was to protect yourself. Like I had a pencil. You can't have a pencil. You can't have a book cover. It's just you're going from the outside world to kind of inside this this situation. Again, the people were friendly, but it was just very surreal. And then the other people in the, in the, in there were also nice people, but uh, sometimes, it, I remember the second night I was there and I was sleeping, and then they brought in some new people that were just kind of screaming at the top of their lungs. And that was just scary because you had all kinds of people on all different levels. I mean, I was in a bad place, but people were in different places within the spectrum there. Um, so it was it was an eye opening uh, situation, I would say.
0: Well, I bet it was. And so you stayed there, and you started to get some help. How long did you end up staying? in the, I in ended that up area? staying
1: there f- for three days, um, and it was it was it felt like. Forever, <laughs> but I was there uh, for just uh, three days.
0: Okay. So did you end up talking to a therapist while you were there?
1: You know, I talked to a therapist when I was there. and that, uh, some Somewhat, uh, of course, you had medication. I think that you think of the psych ward. I didn't, again, me and my wife really didn't know what it was. But it's it's almost like you're in a car accident and they have to stabilize you, right? So I think that's the same kind of thought process. Like, let's get you stable, then you can go home right you're not going to get cured but you're just going to be in a stable position where you're not at risk but that's how it felt
0: so okay so you were not no longer at risk they determined Correct. and they released you and you went back home and was it work is
1: going back to work as usual that's a good question john so the next thing that happened and this was uh, early january i was i was it was january 3rd and i thought i was going back to work now I had a company that I started. I had two partners, and sometimes things don't work out with partners. And my partners ended up buying me out of the the firm that I helped start, and that's terrific. I got some money, but when that happened, I, I kind of fell deeper into depression because, like a lot of guys, my whole identity, my whole life was really baked into what I did, my whole in my profession. So all of a sudden, when that went away, I was already kind of down. It, it kind of had a you know kind of multiplier effect. I started to shake. I couldn't like I had Parkinson's. People thought I had Parkinson's, and I couldn't stop shaking. So that was that was the next enjoyable phase.
0: So you started to shake, and did you think you had Parkinson's as well, or were you uh, wondering
1: what what's going on here? I couldn't stop shaking. So also, you know, I'm a I'm a dad. I have two kids. I have a now 16 and 14 year old. And I also tried, I'd be like lying, we were watching TV on the couch and I try to kind of like stop or my wife would be like, stop shaking. I'm like, I can't stop shaking. And it's also scary for the family because you try to hide it, but you, I was unable to. Um, so I didn't think I had Parkinson's because Parkinson's doesn't all of a sudden you snap your fingers, but, but, uh, some other doctors said that that's the possibility. Mm Hmm.
0: So you were just watching TV with your family, started shaking, and then what happened after that?
1: No, it was more than that. I mean, I just couldn't stop shaking in general throughout the day. Uh, then what happened was, well, there was another a guy that comes into the story in my, in my journey. There was a guy, his name is uh, Brent Hurd. So me and Brent, our kids played Little League Baseball together, um, not too far from my house. Um, Brent was also friendly with my wife. And when, when this was going on, my wife told me, you, Sean, you need to contact Brent Hurd. And I said, I like Brent. He's a good guy. But what the heck does he have to do with this? Right? And, and she said uh, she just had a feeling. Right? So, she, John, she ended up texting Brent. Uh, and Brent came, away, came back right away. He's not a therapist. But he came back right away. Is he in a safe place? This is happening to a lot of guys, as we know. So Brent had gone through something similar. So Brent became, I like to call it, like you have the, you have like alcoholics, you have a sponsor. Brent, in essence, became my mental health sponsor, right? Walking with me, talking with me. I mean, you as a therapist are going to do deeper work, but just having that kind of peer-to-peer relationship with someone that went through something similar, that's, that's nice to have. Yes. So I like that.
0: I like what you just mentioned, a mental health uh, sponsor. You know,
1: we're very familiar
0: with that term when it comes yep. to N.A. or A.A. Yep. getting the sponsor. But this is this is just you just had a friend who wanted to check in and make sure you were doing OK. I like that.
1: I think it was even more than that. He, I mean, he really invested in me and it was really great that he he took the time and, and leave work and just looking after me, um, which was which was awesome. Well, that's fantastic. So does your story end there? No, there's plenty more, John. So (laughs) since since then, I ended up going to, uh, you know, I did that with Brent. And and then I went away to two treatment centers, uh, one in Weimar, California, and another one in Hollywood, Florida. Again, interesting situations. I think you know about these treatment centers, and I'm happy to get into them. Um, But in essence, they take away your phone. You're in therapy uh, for the whole time. Both centers were a little bit different. I can tell you more, but that's, that was my next step in the journey.
0: So now you're going to two different treatment centers. Yes. And so just tell us a little bit about what was your experience like in the treatment centers versus what you experienced in the hospital?
1: Um, It was different. The hospital was more intense for sure. And it was more like you know, stabilize you, you weren't really doing a lot during the day. In both treatment centers, they kept you very, very busy, especially in one, uh, the one in, in California, they'd wake you up at 530, you do exercises, and you're doing things throughout the day. Within every half an hour, you'd be doing things. The other thing that they did, they're interesting is uh, they did a lot of things that they called hydro. You hear a lot about this cold plunge. So they've been, they did that twice a day. I would go from uh, the hot tub to the cold plunge, hot tub to the cold plunge, three times, twice a day. I have to honestly say I did not enjoy it, but it definitely, <laughs> you know, does something to your brain. But that was that was one of the main things that that they did in that one treatment center.
0: Okay, and how long were you at the treatment centers?
1: I was in total around uh, seventy days.
0: Okay, so you were gone quite a while. And uh, so you you went to the treatment centers. You had those cold plunges, uh, mm-hmm. not fun at the time. No, Uh no. It, But then you received some therapy while mm-hmm. you were there. And, and mm-hmm. was it mainly depression or was it depression and anxiety? Is that what some of the symptoms that you were experiencing, one of the reasons why you went into the treatment centers?
1: Yeah, so mine was, and treatment centers have all different types of people. So mine was depression and anxiety. So for example, the treatment center I went to in Florida, Hollywood, Florida, there were a lot of people there, uh, you say they have a dual diagnosis, right? So it could be anxiety or depression, but then they might be an alcoholic or some other thing is involved. But I it's funny because, you know, I I I think that's like I was depressed, but I could easily see myself becoming also that's where people cover up the stuff with different alcohol or different things. So I I get it while one goes to the other one. They're kind of attached.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so you went there and you got the, the, the treatment that you needed. Mm-hmm. And then you went home. And did you so then, were you feeling better then afterwards?
1: I was feeling about uh, 60% when I went home. And that was also in what they call IOP. So you have PHP, which is residential, which means you're in the treatment center. IOP is meaning almost like a day class or you go there during the day. And then this also starts the, the founding of the real. So what happened, the story with that is, so I went home and I was, I was about 60%. And then me and Brent, the guy I was talking about, my, spon- uh, my mental health sponsor, we were talking on the phone and we were saying, you know, like, dude, because we talk like that, dude, that was serious. You know, that was real. And I was like, yeah, man, that was real. And I was like, you know what? That's what we're going to call it. We're going to call it the real. And then Brent was like, well, what is it? I said, I don't know. (laughs) But I know there's a (laughs) lot of men, women, and families suffering, and I think we can help them. So there's some more chapters in the story, but that's the next thing that happened uh, within the journey.
0: Well, that's incredible. And so The Real, uh, which is the the Mental Health Foundation— Mm -hmm. Uh, that you founded it's that just kind of how it started it it kind of bloomed from there after talking with your friend and after getting out and being released from the treatment centers and and experiencing the anxiety and depression yourself and realizing that a lot of men and struggle with this and Mm -hmm. a lot then of family members uh, struggle right along with them and so here you are talking it's like "Ah, i want to start something that gets called the real but I'm not sure exactly mm-hmm. what it's going to do exactly uh, but you're you're interested and you know you have a mission already and you have a vision mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit more then about the real
1: well let me tell you what happened and then I'll tell you about the real right and then I also tell you you know just kind of being on this journey I've had probably 200 phone calls with different folks men women oh, it doesn't really matter and it's just interesting cuz when you're in that state you think I thought I was like the only one that ever has these feelings but after 200 conversations I could tell you that to the conversation this is not 1 degree away from anyone this is half a degrees or 0 degrees away from every single person no one's like I don't know what you're talking about right so I was at a 10 I was at a bad place but sometime in their life everyone's at a 2 or 4 or 6 that's just being part of human being human um to go back to what happened next so I decided that we we're going to do this thing called the real so uh, from my old day job, I had a very big network on LinkedIn. So I sent out a link. This was very scary. I have around thirty thousand connections. So I, I hit the button. It basically said I wrote a message. You know, I was in a dark place. I'm starting out this new thing called the Real. Um, just wanted to, you know, tell 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 the folks out there, which was very scary because you're telling. Thirty thousand people that you're in a dark place. It's not so. Uh, the nice thing is, a lot of people came back and were like super supportive, which was great. Um, then there was go ahead, John. Well, no,
0: I was going to say that's uh, that's a pretty amazing cool. to be able to be that vulnerable with so many people. But that's what it takes, doesn't it? It it, it sure. takes being vulnerable, even though you're scared, in order for for men and others to be helped, we have to be vulnerable and open and honest with ourselves first, but then honest and open with others mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. to say, I need the help. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. here you are talking to 30,000 people and, and they're hearing your story and yet they're resonating with you because yeah. they're probably thinking, me too, I felt the same thing and I felt like I was the only one.
1: Yeah, and another number of guys came back to me and just wanted to have a call. But like, yeah, I, I know how you feel, man. I've been there and 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 I get it. And you're in a dark place and you think it's never gonna end, but I can tell you it does, right? From experience. So it's nice to hear that from I mean, therapy therapist is great, but also just hear that kind of from a peer. So what also happened then was one of the guys that hit me is a guy named Ron Diamond. Uh he has a, a company called Diamond Wealth. He's also part of an organization called Tiger Twenty One which is like an investor group. And I thought he had issues, but he didn't. He said, Sean, can you come speak to our group in Chicago? I said, sure, I'll come speak to this group in Chicago. So went to go speak to this uh, investor group, and it was just interesting. I uh, was telling the story like I'm telling you. About 15 minutes in, the, the hands go up. The hands go up, right? And all these high-powered – it was just happened to be guys there. Uh, guys are telling their stories, right, of uh, what they've gone through, their family, you know what's going on with their kids, etc. So it was supposed to be uh, 40 minutes. It turned into an hour and a half of uh, of conversation. And then when we were, uh, then one guy especially was happened to be a billionaire, and never really talks. So he was opening up, telling about his life. Uh, and then we were we were leaving, and, and I, from my old job, I always used to like to take road shows. So I was like, all right, we're going to take this on the road. So we did a tour. We did it uh, in Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket, Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, Atlanta, uh, Southampton, this week we're going to be in Houston, in the new year we're going to be in London, Zurich, Geneva, and kind of across the country and across the world uh, having these talks.
0: Well, I think that's incredible, and I think you brought out the fact that these struggles that men have, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter... Your income or status or where no. you live, it's around the world. It is, it is, a happens and it affects every human being. To sum yes.
1: I'm, I'm gonna tell you a little story if that's okay. So please do. So, when, so, you know, when we were there giving this talk, when we were done, one of the guys there was said there was a guy that had a tremendous financial exit. He sold his company for, you know, a huge amount of money and he was, he was depressed. Yeah. And we had done this thing in Chicago. And in Chicago, there's two airports, Midway and O'Hare. So I had flown into Midway, figured I'm going back out of Midway. So I got into an Uber. And I was telling my story in the Uber. I had my phone on speaker. I was telling somebody. And when I was done, talking to someone, the Uber driver. He was a 29-year-old African-American guy. He said to me, listen, I'm sorry. I was listening. Now, John, we're the only ones in the car. So <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't really have a choice. He's got he's to listen. Right, so right. he." He, he says to me, "He says, you know, there's a reason why you're in my car." And I go, "What?" He says, "I've been having suicidal ideations, which you know is thinking about suicide." So here, one side, we're going to this tiger, this tiger twenty-one thing, net worth, family office, all this stuff. Next, we're in Uber. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. This is affecting everyone. So me and me and the, uh, the Uber driver, we had a great chat, and then uh, you know, we we hugged after we got out of the Uber, and then this was the kind of the crazy thing. So then I went to security in Midway. I tried to get in security once, twice, three times with my license. And then they told me, sorry, you're in the wrong airport. You're supposed to go to O'Hare. So I guess everything goes, still made my plane, but everything happens for a reason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we don't know what that reason is. And sometimes we just get frustrated, but yes. we never know. We never know. Never know. And, and that's why it's important to uh, to share your story. And, and also treat others kindly because you just never yes. know what they're going through. Exactly, exactly. Well, um, Sean, we have a few minutes left. Are, are you, are, well, first of all, are you done with your story or are you okay to yeah. talk a little bit more about Yeah, I'm about done with either? my story.
1: I could tell you a little <laughs> bit about the foundation because it all goes together. Please. Yeah, right? no, please tell us so, a little bit more about the foundation. So the foundation is based on uh, four C's. The first C is conversation. The second C is community. The third C is contributions. And then the fourth C is change. And I'm happy to break that down for you, John, if it's okay. Please do. So the first C is conversation. So I gave the first what we call real talk in Chicago, right? And that's great. Going to keep on doing that across the country and across the world. But think about this. It's great that one guy's telling a story. But how about 10? How about 100? How about 1,000? All shapes and sizes and makes and models. So what we're doing is think about TED TED talks. We're doing the real talks. We have our own branding around that. So that's one is the conversations. From the conversations, and every time we have a conversation, more and more people want to get involved, and they ask how can we get involved? Is community. So we right now we have a beta of an app that we have for the community. So the community does four things. One, it's a safe place where guys can talk about these kinds of things and not feel judged. Two, we're doing different events. So if, for example. We're doing this thing called the real walk. Uh, we're about to do our third one. It's very complicated. We walk around a park, not very so and we're going to recreate that around the country and around the world. Three is to give people resources because they want to know about therapy, they want to know about mindfulness and and then fourth around that is a place where we we're talking about a mental health sponsor where someone can raise their hand and be a sponsor or get a sponsor. So we go conversations, goes to community, goes to contributions. So contributions are on the first hand is we want to help support other uh, nonprofits in the eco, want to help to build up the ecosystem, uh, ecosystem, help other nonprofits that are doing great things. Secondly, we want to map out the space in terms of treatment centers, apps, and all these different things on one side, and then on the other side, map out what are uh, donors doing on the other side. And bring those two pieces together to find you know where are those strengths and the weaknesses. Yeah. So I'm almost done. So we go conversations goes to community, goes to contributions. And then the, the final C is change. So think of change in two ways. One is intangible. Intangible is the thoughts, it's the feelings, it's the relationships. I want to help with that. And then the other side is the tangible also help to build out the mental health ecosystem. So that's that's our show. That's that's what we're doing now.
0: That's fantastic. And so if somebody is interested in learning more about the foundation, where mm-hmm. can they go to look find they, out more?
1: Sure, they can go to the real.care.
0: The real dot care. Care. Okay. C A R E
1: care. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'll put that on the show notes as well. So Thanks. if someone's driving or, or they can't write it down, they can always yep. go and check out the show notes. Uh, well, Sean, it was just a real pleasure getting to know you and listening to your stories. And uh, I, I always enjoy the stories because so often it's the stories that develop into something bigger. And that's exactly yes. what's happened here. Your story, your life circumstances, your experience, not just with the mental health issues, but even before that, your your experience in just what you've done in, with working and Mm -hmm. living has all cumulated and came into this foundation. And now it is growing and is helping people and other people are resonating with it and they're getting help. And so out of the pain that you have struggled with, you're helping Mm -hmm. others with their pain. And I love that. And so we appreciate you coming on, on the show. That's the idea.
1: No, thanks, John. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. And if you're listening to this and you're interested in finding out more, again, I mentioned you can go to the show notes at mentalhealthtodayshow.com. And if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, appreciate this. And and you can go into uh, the the show notes there as well. Uh, So if you are a man and you're struggling with some of these things that Sean has talked about, uh, check out the, the Real Foundation and go to. Uh, the, the real dot care. And and you'll find all the information that you need right there. All right, friends, thank you so much for listening and watching the mental health today show. I appreciate you. And if you're a first time listener or first time watching this, thank you. Make sure you follow the mental health today show. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.